welcome to the memorial service for Robert David, David C. Mack. And as the pastor of the London Free Reformed Church, we welcome you into our building to share together a time of remembrance, a time of sorrow, but we, we hope a time of hope as well. And, um, and as uh, the pastor here, Benjamin Hicks, I really am honored to be asked by the family to uh, lead you through this special time together. So the first uh, thing that we're going to have is a special slideshow prepared by the family of Robert, and that'll be visible on this side of the building here. And so we'd also um, ask that the, the person who has that uh, music prepared to make their way to the microphone on this side of the building so that uh, that can be played as well.
Well, thank you so much, Radiance, Patience, Charity, and Steadfast for uh, playing and singing that song, Where the Soul Never Dies. A very powerful message and, and really touching to, to hear that wonderful song. And so the next uh, item will be a time of prayer. So I'll lead us all in a time of speaking to God in prayer. So let's pray. Great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, your word says that you are the God of all comfort. And surely, Lord, at a time like this, at a time of sadness and sorrow and loss, we, each one of us, desperately need comfort. There has been a heavy loss to this group of family and friends, a loss of, of a son, of a brother, of an uncle, and a father. There has been the loss of one who was very dear and very beloved. And at such a time as this, we pray for the peace that passes all understanding that you would minister unto each broken heart, that you would bind up the wounds of hearts that are full of regret, full of sorrow, full of loss, full of fear. Whatever it may be that we are experiencing at this hour, we need, Lord, your healing hand. We thank you so much for Robin Semak. We thank you for him and for all the, all the many years that he had in this family and in this group. We thank you for every way in which he was a blessing to us. And we pray that in his hour of absence, that you would speak direction as to the future, direction of how it is that we can go on from here, how it is we are to treat ourselves, how it is we are to treat others, how it is that we are to regard our future in this world. We need wisdom from above. We need understanding that is greater than ourselves. Please supply that, we pray. Who among us has not made mistakes? Who among us has lived a perfect life? Who among us can say they are without sin? Not a one of us, O oh God. Not a one of us can say that we have lived the life that we should. And so there isn't a person here who does not need your mercy. Each one of us needs forgiveness. Each one of us needs kindness and undeserved favor. We need a revelation of your love. We know that 
your word says that God commends his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we ask, Lord, that in the midst of all the pain and, and sorrow and all the hurt, that something of that truth would permeate into our minds and hearts and lives. That there is hope for sinners. That there is hope for those who must face eternity. That there is hope even beyond the grave. Will you please fill our hearts with that hope, with that earnest expectation of your loving kindness towards sinners like us? Will you enable us, Lord, to come to your word and to understand what you say about these things? And will you minister plentifully that comfort which we so desperately need? We ask that you would continue to be with us now, both in the reflection, the remembering, the testimonies, the, the messages, the singing, and the conversations afterward. Please be a presence in our lives and direct all things for our good and for your glory. For we pray all these things in the name that is above every name, even the name of Jesus Christ. And amen. And at this time, uh, we will read from the Bible. So I'm going to read a chapter from the New Testament book of John. And the third chapter of this book. So if you're in a pew, you should be able to find a Bible um, either in front of you or underneath you if you wish to, to follow along. So let's listen to the word of God. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto, that, unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh, or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we know, what we, that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, 
How shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, and his de- that his deeds might be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea. There he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Aeon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men came to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride to he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth great, greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from before, from above, is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Amen. Praise God for every word in his precious Bible, and may that be a blessing to each one of our hearts. At this time, there will be another song, um, and I believe that this will be played on both the stringed instruments and the piano. And the title of this song is Kind and Merciful God.
Thank you so much. That was also a real blessing to hear. Thank you for that. Now, this time, uh, Sandra has asked to give a few words to everyone and uh, to speak about Robin. So at this time, I'll give the floor to her. Once I start crying, it's hard to stop. But uh, I know a lot of you haven't seen him in a long time, so you didn't really know who he was. And I don't think it's good to pretend that everything was all roses and he was like Mr. Nice Guy. Like he said in one of his last texts to me, I'm not exactly Mr. Nice Guy. <laughs> um, and at that point, he had said, I just don't care about anything anymore because he was a really hurt person. He had a lot of pain and anger. But I had said for years, I could always see under his hard shell. He was really soft and gentle under there, but he had to, I think he felt like he had to wear this hard shell to protect himself from his hurt and pain and anger and confusion. That went really far back and he didn't know how to deal with it but in those last few days, it was clear that all of that was stripped away and he felt naked before God. And I just wanted to share a little bit about some of our last conversation. Because um, like he said, he didn't really talk to anybody. When I look back at our texting, um, which was hard to do, but it made me realize that he was actually messaging me every month to month and a half and I didn't really realize it so there's you know you don't want to feel regrets but I feel like I wish I would have reached out more and not said I was busy with my kids and stuff like that but something that he would do is often um, make fun of me for being a Christian <laughs> like a lot of my family does um, or poke jabs at me or say this comment or that comment and um, I just wanted to share a little bit of some of the things that he said because it sheds light on who he was and, and what he was thinking um, like he would send me something like um, one of his texts <clears throat> I had put some things in here so I could share kind of what was on his mind he said, was the Bible talking about Trump or Trudeau in Psalm 108, 109.8? <laughs> Does anybody know what that is? I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. It says, let his days be few and let another take his office. <laughs> and he would do this kind of thing often and just look to just kind of um, look for a conversation. Right? Another time he sent me a picture of a church that we had driven by and he said, do you remember this? And I said, no, and he said, we went back there way in the days of like our like high school friends kinds of thing. And I was like, I don't ever remember going to church with him. I don't remember him ever being willing to step in a church. I said, do you, 
do you remember something from a sermon there or something? Because I don't remember going there with you. And he would continue these kinds of things all the time, giving me his spiritual thoughts on things, and then at the same time getting mad at me for responding to him. <laughs> and he says, uh, just recently, um, when uh, we had talked by texting, and the weird thing about texting is that it makes it feel like we should still be able to continue the conversation, so it's hard to think, wow, he's like, they kind of like live in your phone, right? He says this, he, to him, he said, the stairway to heaven takes an eternity to get to, and after all those stairs, you're sent back to earth because the gift of life is eternal. That's why people deja vu. The greatest, people's greatest fear is to die into nothing. And he says, uh, God is fake. He says, I believe things like, um, I'm a diehard Nietzsche fan, Frederick Nietzsche. I don't know if you guys know, he's like kind of a philosopher, but he... Um, his dad died when he was young. His dad was a preacher, and then he rejected God. And he had also said, I said, well, interesting. I believe what Nietzsche said, too. He said, when he said, it's our preference that decides against Christianity, not arguments. In other words, not facts. Rob said, yeah, it's faith, and I don't want it, and I don't need it, and it's not welcome. And we had, that was the last conversation we had about that. And I said, okay, I, I love you, and you can bring it up if you want. I don't want to... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ever be pushy. He always wanted to talk, so I was willing to. And um, so I left it at that, and he said, kisses. And uh, he says, uh, I'm not exactly, exactly Mr. Friendly either. So LOL, I just don't care about anything anymore. Um, and uh, so just before we had had, we talked about that, I had said to him, and a number of times in the last few years, I had said to him, this, just this refrain that, Rob, God is, God is merciful and kind. His life was rough, and he wasn't, like he said, always nice, and he had a lot of regrets. But I said, God will, God will take you back. You know, he, I said, you don't know when your time is up. But he's still calling your stubborn spirit. He's, he's also just, and will all receive our reward in the end. We all actually deserve hell, but he'll forgive you if you recognize your sinful state is actually why he sent Christ to suffer in your place, so you can be free and believe that you're brought with that blood price. So the amazing thing about God is that he's ex that is exactly who he is. He hasn't forgotten about you like you have him, and he waits with open arms for you, the prodigal, to come back. And then at that time, he said, this was over the course of a few days of the same conversation in August, <clears throat> he responded by saying, whoever has been in contact with me in any way over the last 14 days, stay indoors, contact your nearest test center. I'm so sorry to my friends and family and anyone who's been in close proximity to me. I've had symptoms for a few days now and it's just been confirmed. I've been diagnosed with being extremely sexy and good looking. It's highly contagious and I'm told there's no cure as of yet. So that's kind of how our conversations went. I just want to share that because that's, that's who he was. He always wanted to talk, but he was always making a joke of it too. He would poke and want conversation and then sort of, that's my reply. And uh, it was hard to get in to see him there at the end. Stephen was there with me and I, that was a real blessing that we were there together. And uh, Uncle Mike forfeited a little bit of time to let me in to see him because there, there was some difficulties getting in to see him. Um, 
but I thought I had said I wasn't going to talk to him about it anymore. But I thought, okay, he's dying, right? And maybe he wants, maybe he wants to pray or something. So I said, uh, do you want me to pray with you? <laughs> and normally he would maybe just laugh at me, like mock me. And he still had his humor about him um, because he had been laughing about some of our jokes and things like that. Like, um, so, uh, but that wasn't funny to him. He actually looked very afraid. And um, he was really adamant that he wanted to pray. And I saw that he was a very broken person. He was hurt. He was sorry. I know he had a lot of regrets. Um, it was like he wanted everything to make everything better, and now he knew that he couldn't. So I just prayed again with him, remembering that what I had said to him over the years is, God is kind and merciful, Rob. Thanking God for being that kind and merciful God, and you can still turn to him now. But I know some people have said, I don't believe in deathbed confessions, but God, God knew that he just had this hard shell, and that's what it took to break him before he could come home in peace. And we had said, Mama talked to him a little bit before that, and she said, um, I told God, Rob that he's got to get serious with God. And I was like, right. I don't, and he said I did, and I was like, I don't believe it. But I saw him very broken, and when I think something changes when you're on your deathbed, that you realize, whoa, this is, I'm, I'm heading out, and I'm going to face God, and I just didn't get it right. And uh, so that's not all pretty, but I just thought, I think there is something joyful about that, that he was sorry to everybody. And uh, I know his daughter Kirsten heard that when he was weak, words were getting weak and he couldn't say much. All he said to her was sorry and love. And those were the last words on his lips. And I've seen somebody uh, else very close to me who hated God all their life. And they died cursing God. So it's not just because d death makes you realize and then, now, okay, now I'm sorry. But the, the, that other person died cursing God thinking they were going to wring God's neck when they got to heaven, is what they said. But Rob had nothing like that. He was soft, and he was gentle. And, um, and then I, and I asked him, I said, you know, Rob, there's, I said, Rob, there's death. There's death in the world because of sin. And, and that's why Jesus had to die. Right? He would, if, if we didn't need him to die for our sins, he wouldn't have died. But... Um, but there's death in the world because of sin. And uh, he's still, if you're willing to repent and believe in him, he's kind and merciful. I said, do you believe that now? And with his weak, dying voice, he said, yes, very strongly. And so it's sad what happened, but I, I think that there's hope, and hopefully for everybody who has pain and regrets and even anger, um, like he did, he held on to anger toward people that had hurt him until then. And he hurt some people in the same way. And so hopefully you can forgive and not hold on to your anger like that until you get to where he was. Um, but also have that joy that we're going to see him again if we, if we believe too.
Thank you so much, Sandra. So I've been asked by the family to give, uh, give a meditation from the Word of God. So if you do have your, your Bibles, you can open again to that chapter we read, John chapter uh, 3. And uh, before we, we look at that, let's just ask for, in a, in a brief prayer, for the Lord's blessing on our time together. Gracious God, we thank you so much for what we have just heard from Sandra, the message of hope she was able to give from Robin's life. And Lord, we ask that as we consider what has been said and its own relevance to each one of us, that you would as well give your blessing to the word that will now be spoken in order that it would shed light in in every one of our circumstances. We plead, Lord, for your spirit be among us now. And we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, friends and family of Robin C. Mack, when we lose someone who is very special, to us, that is a very difficult time. It is a time of loss, the loss of someone whom we care about. It is often a time of, of pain and regret as we think about that loss. And, and so many memories can rush to the surface, things spoken or not spoken, things done or, or things not done. And as well, sometimes it it can be a time of fear, of fear of the future. How is it that we can move on from here? Or perhaps even confronted with the reality of death, we can be in a place of fear for ourselves. Because the reality is that even when we would try to, to push it out of our minds, the reality is that each one of us has to die. There's not a one of us who is too young to die. And whether it's at a young age or an old age, there is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. Each one of us must face God, and we must, must answer for the life we've lived and how it is that we've used the time that we have in this world. So in the midst of, of such pain, of, of so many experiences that we might bring to this afternoon, I want to direct your attention to the third chapter of John in the 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The reason why I'm a minister of the gospel is that I want to bring people to a place of hope. And I see hope in this verse. It speaks of those who will not perish. They will not die. Death has no power over them. For those who 
are described here, what we would describe as death is for them just an entrance into life. And life, the likes of which we've never known. That's what this verse is about. It's a, a verse of hope. And it's hope that's found in the love of God. And I'd like to speak to you for a few moments about that theme. The love of God. And the first thing I want to say about that is what amazing love is spoken about here in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, we might have all sorts of different ideas. What, what is that talking about exactly? What is this world that's being spoken about? Well, this is describing people. It's describing people like you and me. And it's the same people that John wrote about earlier on in this book in the first chapter where he's introducing the person of Jesus Christ. And, and John, he writes this. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Now, this is the world that was made. All the, um, the people that God made are, are made by Jesus, who is the Son of God. He is God, is the message of, of this book. But this world that's being referred to is not the world as God made it. They do not know God. They're separated from God. They're living apart from God. This is a world that is fallen into sin. And so, this is a world that is subject to death. Death is a result of sin. For the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us are in this situation. We have not lived the kind of life that God requires in his word. And so what are we to do with that problem? I wonder, children, have you ever heard of the person in the Bible, Moses? You've, you've heard of him, right? And you know that God, he used Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, right? And after he led them out of Egypt, they were wandering in the wilderness, and then one day uh, they began to complain against God. They said, the food that you're giving us, it isn't good enough. Did you just bring us out into the wilderness to kill us? That was what they were complaining against God. And and then something terrible happened. Do you know what happened? There were these fiery serpents that, that came upon the people, and they bit the people, and, and everyone was dying of snake bite. You know, it's moments like that where you, where you know that death is upon you, that things can seem so clear, and everything that you used to worry about, it, it, it doesn't seem to, to matter anymore. And that was... Surely the condition of the people. And they, they cried out to the Lord for mercy. And what did, did Moses do? Well, God told Moses, I want you to, to make a, a bronze statue. Make a statue of, of a snake or a serpent and, and lift that up. Lift that up on a big rod. And you tell those people that anyone who looks upon that serpent, they will 
live. God made a way that they could be healed, a miraculous way of just looking upon that serpent. That was amazing, but what's also amazing is that there is a way that we can be saved from our problem of sin that leads to death. That's what Jesus was, was talking about to Nicodemus here in this chapter. He says there in, in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must, God, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's amazing that God would love people like you and me enough to make a way to be saved from sin. If we really come to know how serious our sin is, then we'll be amazed, amazed that God just doesn't deal with each one of us according to his judgment. But rather, he makes a way, a way that we can be saved. The second thing I'd like to say about this Love is not just amazing, but it's, it's also giving love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now here we have one of the great names of Jesus Christ. He is the son of God. And he didn't get that name uh, in any ordinary way, as though it was just another title that he received as a good and a righteous man. No, it, it speaks about the fact that he has always existed. He has all of the perfections and glory of God the Father. God has a son, his only begotten son. And this, his son, is the gift of his love to a perishing world. I'm sure you, you've given gifts before, right? And, and sometimes you give those gifts because you love. You love the person that you're giving that gift to. You take the time to think about a gift that will be so special it will really mean something. But then you think about what would it mean to give up your own son as a gift? You know, there, were, there once was a time when a group of Christians called the Puritans, they were really being persecuted by, by people in the government at that time. And there was a family of, of these Christian people. And the soldiers came in, and, and there was a mom and a dad and a, and a bunch of kids. And the soldiers said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to kill you all unless you can choose one of these children and we'll kill that child instead of the whole family. And so they said, well, you give a couple minutes to think about it. And so here are the, the mom and dad. They're looking at each one of their children. They're trying to make that hard decision. Well, well which one of our children are we going to give up? And they thought, well, maybe we'll, we'll give, give this child. But then they, they noticed that he, he looked a lot like his dad. They said, well, we can't give him up. And they came to the next child. Well, well, she looks a lot like her mom. And they couldn't give her up either. And they couldn't give the youngest. And, and they, they looked through all the children. They ultimately said, you know, we, we can't choose. You'll, you'll have to take us all. 
a heart-wrenching thing to give your own child. But, but the love of God for his son, it's so much beyond that. It says here in the Bible that he was eternally in the bosom of his father, in an embrace of, of love, as, as a son who is perfectly worthy of his father's love. And that God should love enough to give his own son, it's... It's something I can't understand. I could understand if, if it said God loved his son enough that he gave him a million worlds. But this I cannot understand. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And you remember what Jesus said there. So must the son of man be lifted up. Just as Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness, so also the son of man had to be lifted up. And when was he lifted up? He was lifted up on the cross. He was nailed to a tree. He was eternally in the bosom of the Father. He became man. He lived a perfectly righteous life. And he became a curse on the cross in order that we might know the blessing of God, in order that we might know the love of God. This is a gift unlike any other gift. And, and so you, you think about it, you know, if, if someone gives a gift and offers a gift, what does it say about the one who, who doesn't want it, who's, who's not interested in it? What kind of ingratitude is that? What is that? Say about the heart of, of someone who just throws away a gift given in love. But how about our own hearts? How are we, when we hear about God's love gift to a perishing world, is that a gift that we truly value? Well, it's amazing love, and, and it is giving love here, but it is saving love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life this is his love that accomplishes something this is love when it is set upon this this group of people called the world it, it brings something about that's why it says in the next verse For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This is that that saving love that the Bible says in in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 5, is according to the good counsel of his will. Nothing forces God to set his love upon this group of people, but he chooses to do so because out of his holy heart comes this mercy and grace towards the undeserving. And love like that, it will will surely bring about this result, saving sinners from their sin. It's, It's salvation unto eternal life, it says. Whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is 
Not just like ordinary natural life. You think about your life. You think about how you spend your day. The things that you think about. An ordinary life, it's, it's filled with all the cares of this world. But, but this kind of life is what Jesus described in this way. When he, he prayed to his father that they might have everlasting life. And he defined it as that they may know you the one true living God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is a different kind of life, a life of knowing God personally in a relationship, of having him as a friend and as a father, someone who will care for you and watch over you. And yes, it's a life that never ends for someone who is beloved of God in this way. They are secure for eternity. And no one can take that person out of the Father's hand. And the way that we come to know this salvation, this everlasting life, is by faith, by believing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Think back to that scene in the wilderness. Moses lifting up that, that shadow of the serpent. All kinds of different people. They are lying down on the ground. Unable to save themselves. Certain to perish. And the instruction from God is that if you will but look. There is life there in that look. He doesn't say, well, you need to rise up and kill those serpents. He doesn't say you need to to look at, at Moses. He doesn't say you have to look anywhere else. He says, look. Look at that serpent that's lifted up. So also with the instruction of the gospel, it is faith in Jesus that saves. Faith in no one else and nothing else. Only faith in In Jesus, the only begotten Son of God. You can have weak faith, just like you could be in that wilderness, and you might have have dim eyesight. But if you would look at that object, you would know life. And so also today, there is no one here, no matter who you are or what you've done, no matter what your priorities might be in this in this life right now, if you will truly look at Jesus Christ with the eye of your soul and believe on him, you can have everlasting life. This is life that is held forth and offered unto sinners, no matter who you may be. The Bible says that God commendeth his Love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Are you still looking at the cares of this world to give you happiness? Look away. Are you looking to to the reality of, of the sins that you've committed? Look away from those two. Look only at Christ. Believe on him. A trusting heart that believes only in Christ, that truly believes in him, that person will know life 
beyond what they have ever experienced. They will know God as their God. A life of freedom from sin and guilt and hell. I plead with you, will you, will you place your faith in Christ today? You've heard about a man how even on, on his deathbed, in his dying moments, he confessed that his hope was found in this Christ. My heart's desire for each one of you is that you would know a very same God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. At this time, there's another song that's going to be uh, sung or played, and that is entitled, In a Little While We're Going Home. And I believe Radiance, Patience, and Charity are going to be playing that for us. And Nalia, and Nalia as well. Thank you. Tears shall fall in the city freshen 
So let's uh, pray now. Let's pray. Most blessed God, we do thank you for this time that we could share together, remembering Robin and being pointed as well to the one who can give hope even in times of sorrow and grief, even the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we would each one be comforted and strengthened, that family and friends would come alongside one another to encourage one another and that most of all that we would each one come to know the comfort from above through the love of God. Please do bless the, the conversation and the time of fellowship that is to take place after the service and please O oh Lord will you hear our prayer not because we deserve anything but only for the sake of the only begotten Son of God Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for attending this memorial service, for showing your support for the, the family and spending this time with one another. And on behalf of the London Free Reform Church, we thank you that you allowed us to be part of this very special time with your family. At this time, you're invited by the family to have some time of refreshments and food and, and fellowship downstairs. And I say, uh, as the pastor of this church, God bless you, each, every one. Thank you.
Stand beside you, you make me look good.
Forgive you still in Lethbridge? No, where, where are you now? Sorry? Not with the one with everybody in a second. No, it's just the... Okay. It's mom's original. Because I've been trying to get from her, because I live in Calgary. So when you were down there, we were supposed to, we never did. We, we need to. No, I'd say oldest to the youngest. Oh, oldest to the youngest. I'm not going to admit it. Cutest to the... <laughs> 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 